This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. I am your host, Aaron Zamzow. I am a fire lieutenant. I'm also a writer here at Fire Rescue One, and I write for the commander, Janelle Fosquette, who is also with us on this podcast. Janelle, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Zam? I'm excited because uh, this is a, a today we're going to talk about uh, a topic that's pertinent, I think, to everybody in the fire service. I actually just uh, had a house fire that was started by lithium ion batteries. It was a hovercraft, a hovercraft, a hoverboard. That would have been cool too. hoverboard in the garage that uh, started on fire. And uh, you must have known that that had happened to me because you got some great guests for us today. We have Adam Barrowy and we have Chief Billy Goldfeder. And we're here to talk about lithium ion batteries, uh, things to watch out for, things that we as a fire service need to know, uh, kind of all things lithium ion with uh, two of the brightest people in the fire service. So first, let me welcome Adam. How are you, sir? Welcome to the program. I'm great, uh, Aaron. Thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to do a podcast with the fire service. Well, and you you are a member of the fire service. Uh, you were a, a, a member, uh, and and now since I'm just anointing you one because you're providing so much data and information for us to use. Um, and, you know, you are um, kind of an expert in this. You're, you're a lead research engineer for UL's Fire Safety Research Institute. Uh, prior to that, you worked at UL. Uh, standards and test methods and evaluated emerging fire hazards and new fire protection solutions. You worked at NIST, where you conducted full-scale structure fire experiments, uh, providing like, you know, improving fire tactics, re- mm-hmm. uh, you rec- me- recommended, you know, line of duty death, injury, fire incident, um, you know, precautions, you evaluated equipment. You also were a volunteer at Amherst Fire Department so you are a member of the fire service and uh you know so far i think you're probably getting a nice taste of how impactful what you're doing is for us yeah well there's no more rewarding audience or stakeholder work for to me than the fire service i mean you, i know my bio is kind of a mouthful because of how i wrote it but i went to college i got bit by the fire bug i started burning and blowing up people's uh, products for for money um, it pays a little bit better than being a volunteer fire uh, volunteer firefighter, um, and it it led into batteries, and so that's reconnected me much more closely with the fire service. And you know, there's it, I I sort of hate that it's job security because there's so much work that needs to be done to prepare the fire service for batteries. But um, you know, personally, it's extremely rewarding to be able to, to provide the service. Well, again, thanks for being here. And with us also is Chief Billy Goldfeder. Chief, sorry it took me so long to get to you. But um, uh, <laughs> you are here also because, I mean, you you have a great way of, of taking uh, something that we're experiencing in the fire service and applying it to uh, people like me and making me understand and chiefs understand and talking the language. So thank you for being here. Also, you know, as you look at the research and the data and what's going on in the fire service, 
you know, what stands out to you as far as uh, the lithium ion kind of crisis, I guess? Well, I, first of all, I don't do it for you. I'm confused as hell. I do it for me to figure this stuff out. <laughs> Happen to be listening. So I think, you know, um, it's a new kind of fire. And uh, I think what I or what I keep thinking of is uh, Al Pacino in Godfather. When he says, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. <laughs> And that's kind of how I feel about like, just when you think you got it together, I'm ready to pretty much handle any fire you throw my way. Now this comes along and that's pretty much the job's always been like that. I mean, there's always something new and some challenges, but this is big. This is much bigger than anything else we've had, at least in my, uh, in my time uh, on the fire department. And, um, you know, it, it, it is different. You know, we, we, we just, uh, we had a couple of lithium ion battery charger fires three years ago and nobody even knew what it was. We were only starting to talk about that back then. Right. And we had these rock and garage fires like what the hell's going on here. Right. And then we, we look and Oh, there it is. It's the scooter, but nobody really realized they thought it was a bad charger or, or whatever. And now, now I, I got to tell you, and I, I wrote this a couple about a year ago. I don't know of any organization other than maybe the IFF who's been around a long time and has had the profound impact on this job. But in modern day, UL has joined them on that stage. Uh, and I'm not dissing any other organizations. I belong to all of them, but UL is really, uh, they've been, you know what, they can cut through the bullshit. They can, they can focus on what's important. They don't have to get a vote from any membership or any of that kind of stuff. There's no politics involved and they've really done a heck of a job in, in getting not just this, but uh, all kinds of stuff to the forefront. As far as this goes, I think what the average firefighter has to do is understand what to and what not to do when we're dealing with these kind of fires. We've had the debate in my department, me, me and Chief Huber were just talking the other day about this. Uh, you know, do we let it, we, we cover two interstates. Do we let it burn or do we put water on it? If we put water on it, where's that runoff going? Now do I have a problem with the EPA or the Coast Guard or whatever? So that's some of the stuff I'd like to get into as we talk about today for the average firefighter. What do we do? If you put it out, you might as well bring a lunch because you're going to be there all day. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, there's, there, we're not going home on a standard car fire. We're back and we're in and out of quarters in 30 minutes here. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a lengthy operation. Uh, we just bought uh, the blanket that they recommend. Uh, 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 just again, we, have so many cars traveling through our district on a regular basis. So that's what I want to find out from Adam today. Uh, you know, to the average firefighter who has about five minutes to learn this, and I'm thinking of the rural volunteer fire department that covers I-81 in Iowa, who's got to get back to his farm, who's got to get back to his dairy, who's got to get back to whatever he or she are doing. How do we deal with this? So I'll turn it back to you, Aaron, and you can uh, manage yeah, the conversation. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we have EVs, we have, you know, uh, now we have these scooters, we have hoverboards, we have, uh, who knows what they're, they're putting these, these batteries in. So Adam, back to you, if you could, so break down what, what happens when these things start on fire and what are the biggest reasons for them starting on fire? Well, <clears throat> I'm glad we're starting there, uh, frankly, because, you know, my, my head is spinning from all the different directions we could have just gone just from what from what chief uh billy just said um 
basically what happens is is you have this energy storage that's happening in a cell so you have this stable storage of electrochemical energy it's sort of like a wound spring it means it can be destabilized you can sort of cause it to unwind unwind in, in spring and lose its stability um what you have is a cathode and anode um, separated by a little thin piece of plastic called a separator a bunch of things can damage that separator and when that happens you get an internal short circuit that generates a lot of heat inside the cell and then that heat starts to cause the chemicals inside the cell to break down it generates a lot of heat and you end up with this feedback loop so when it starts to heat up it may only take you know one two three seconds for that to go from room temperature to you know more than a thousand degrees celsius what that's doing is decomposing everything the cell's made of and shooting that out of the cell case as a flammable gas and vapor mixture if that ignites now all that heat plus the heat from the thermal runaway is starting to heat the other cells around it so in a battery pack what you risk is having one cell move thermal runaway to all the other cells around it progressively and so there's a lot of engineering going into changing that for all these different types of products you're going to see so you know we know the we know the e-bikes burning in new york city are unregulated so they've got no safeties in them to prevent that problem from being its worst so you jam a bunch of cells inside a little box there's nothing to slow that that rate of cell to cell heating that's causing this failure you move to the latest and greatest you know energy storage and electric vehicles and they're going to great lengths to engineer out that problem but clearly there's still some problems happening so what we have is this amazing range of products anything that used to have a cord that used to get plugged into the wall can take a battery now so you, you buy that if it doesn't come with a cord it's almost certainly got a battery in it it's almost certainly lithium ion and then how that how that battery gets put in the product can change fire dynamics and it can change fire suppression as we know it i know i'm moving a little quickly but if you've got this this fire that does not require oxygen because consider this to be an electrical discharge and this chemical breakdown reaction both occurring at the same time neither one requires oxygen so you can smother it you can try whatever you want it's going to keep going and then you have product enclosures whether that's you know the, the the pack that you put on the e-bike whether that's the enclosure that you put the battery pack in and then you stick that up under a car and call it an electric vehicle all that stuff gets in between you and getting water onto that you know exothermic chemical reaction that just wants to keep on going so you cannot get the cooling water to where it needs to go that's the number one problem so, pause there for a second adam yep. so there was a good aha moment there i think and that is the fire does not require oxygen. So that's really important for, for every firefighter out there to understand. Yep. So it can't be smothered. So then why are they selling these blankets? Uh, yeah, that was my question too. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. Um, it, it's, it's a more complicated answer than I wish it was, but <clears throat> what you, you can keep this in seventh, seventh, eighth grade level. <laughs> Let's go fifth or sixth. I'm the truck guy here. So I yeah. Mean, you probably recall the, the blankets aren't exactly new. I've said, I, I think the first time I saw vehicle fire blankets was probably 10 or 15 years ago. That's just my personal experience. For other reasons, right. It was just hey, put this on it and put it out. Right. I remember right. that. And that's, I mean, that's still a good thing. So if you've got an electric vehicle burning and the battery packs involved, 
in my again it's just my personal opinion this is not fsri if you were to throw water on that cabin fire you're making the fire smaller and you're reducing air emissions yeah and and we don't currently have any national debates about runoff from an internal combustion engine car fire we just tend to put them out when you see them mm -hmm. so you've now reduced the, the the size of the fire and you've got a stubborn battery fire whether you're extinguishing the cabin fire with water or pulling a blanket over it, you're kind of getting the same thing. So that blanket, as you point out, it's not gonna, it's not really gonna have much effect on that battery pack. If there's still heat there, you're gonna have that reaction ongoing. So, I mean, we have to be right up front about what they can and can't do. That blanket pulled over the top could also, th this is where things get very speculative. They could uh, trap some of the gases that are coming out of that battery and now you sort of have like a flammable balloon. I'm not going to call it an explosion hazard, but just know that's that that's there. And I have talked to some locals and heard um, of some incidents they've had where you know they pulled the blanket corner side and flames shoot out. So that's that's something to be aware of. That's a new hazard, but it's not just going to be pull the blanket over it, smother it, and wait a few hours and it's done. It's going to be an ongoing incident until that battery is dealt with somehow and. I don't want to carry on too much longer about it, but where where we're going in the conversations I'm having with other with other organizations looking for answers is whether the blanket can be a way to to not use water and buy time to move that vehicle somewhere else. So if it's in a parking garage or a tunnel or a bridge, is that is that what you use to provide some stability to the scene and then relocate or or, or work on your next steps? Let's touch yes. on the relocation for just a second. So sure. Again, and and uh, any of you know, follow any of my programs. I have, I have a great boss and a great relationship with him, and he's always forward thinking. So, we he, he we did buy the blankets, and uh, his thought is that at some point, uh, local carding companies or record companies are going to basically have roll-offs, and they're going to come to the scene. They're going to pull use a winch, pull that burning car into their roll-off put the back up and we start filling it with water. What, what are your thoughts about that? I think there's going to be some challenges in deploying that every single place where it's needed, as you know. I mean, so <clears throat> we've got an EV project for the next three years, burning electric vehicles, not doing anything to them to learn how they burn, and then starting to work in the tools that fire departments have because before we get to blankets, before we get to roll-offs, I think we need to know what we can do with what we have already. Let's know it's not the answer. Even if even if what we find is do your do your damnedest with a hose and you still don't get control, somebody needs to prove that that's true. But having burned, uh, mostly what I burned over the last seven, eight years was energy storage systems. I love, I love the idea of throwing it in a water bath because that means it's – if, if that if that reaction happens, it's happening underwater. You've got control over the situation. It may be difficult to get that roll-off dumpster there. There may only be a few nationally at first, but I like the idea. Um, I know there's been some naysaying of it, but one thing, again, that we've been doing for years, the, the damaged products that we create from a test, we throw them in a, in a bath. It's a brine solution. You're going to probably hear about that more and more. Um, and then it, electro, it, it electrically discharges over time. We tend to give it a month because we're a laboratory and we could do that. I mean, it's not sitting in the roadside for a month, of course, but. <laughs> you know then, what that would do to our overtime? Oh, God, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. So that's why I'm like, it's not the right now answer. It's better than what we have with no tools available, but you have to do something with that dumpster. You got to move it down the road with a car and a bunch of sloshy water in it now. And I've driven a tanker with no baffles. It scares yes. me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I, I mean, so, I'm, I'm with you. So today, and that's so funny, the car fire, the fire report reads, fire started December 1st. We returned to quarters New Year's Eve, right? <laughs> um, um, so, all right. So it's, it's what is today? 12, 12, 2023. I get, now I understand, and I got this from reading from New York City and stuff. If I've got a small battery on fire and I can put it in a bucket and fill the bucket with water, a garbage can, uh, even a bathtub, if I'm in a, an apartment building, instead of running all over the building with it, put it in there and wait. Right. I got that. Am I okay now? Part two. Uh, and that's probably what more app or more aptly people are going to have is that small fire versus yeah. the entire vehicle. But let's yeah. say we do get that vehicle on fire right now, today, on I 71. What should we be doing with what we have today? And I've got multiple engine companies, I've got a hydrant area, and I've got a blanket. What should we do? Uh, go easy on me because all I can do is give you opinion. So we're literally running those tests right now. And you, you, I think, pointed out the issue before we even got to this question, which is, do you let it burn? Because then you've got, you've got a sense that you're probably going to burn all the batteries out. Even that's a little bit uncertain. So the first tests that we're running in, uh, beginning in January are what does the let it burn scenario look like? How big does the fire get? Is it any different than a gas engine fire? Um, and we're looking at vehicle to vehicle heat flux and all that stuff so we can know about fire spread. But you're gonna be emitting all kinds of stuff into the air. I mean, we don't tend to worry about car fires that way now, but you put it out, you don't have the air emissions. So that's one camp. The other camp is to use copious amounts of water. And that unfortunately may have the drawback of your extended scene time. like eight hours on scene until you think it's stable and then you're trying to convince the tow truck driver to wrap it up in a blanket and follow him to the salvage yard that that's where we're at and i don't currently have those answers of what's what at the end of the day when you have to tell someone what you did because you let it burn and the public didn't like that or you put a bunch of water all over it and your in your local uh, you know environmental groups don't like that i understand that but you have to do one or you have to do the other. And it's just a spaghetti right now of considerations. That's why we're trying to get the data to make that more simple. And of course, that that's all assuming you just said on I-71. I, I had my, uh, my patch the other day and the airport recognized at BWI and the engineer said, I can't even get cars in the parking garage if there's actively a car smoking that is going to destroy revenues going through the airport. I need control over that situation as fast as possible. So let it burn. Don't let it burn. He needs it out of the garage. So there's kind of a, a third, you know, scenario there, but and we that, absolutely have to get that data first. I mean, in that case, you, you, and let's touch on that just for a moment. Uh, I've got a uh, car on fire, either in an underground parking garage, or I've got it in a, uh, a multi-level above-ground parking garage. Uh, I get a wrecker and pull it out while it's burning. Is that the thought at this point? What I have seen 
But nice, I, nice, uh, nice cleansing breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I would want to see control over the fire first, and then and then moving it. This this raises the hairs in the back of my neck. But there was an EV fire in Prague. Um, and God bless the internet for bringing us incidents globally. I I don't know how you pipe those in your office uh, with your eleven radios, but um, <laughs> the, in this incident. They suppressed the cabin fire and they brought out some more popular tool in Europe that's kind of like a water jet cutting, you know, lance. And they cut it into the battery pack and they believe they got control. And then, you know, I, I'm I'm going through the photos and it's freaking me out watching them wheel this thing on dollies into an, a vehicle elevator, which it gets closed up, and then they bring it to street level and wheel it out. And I mean, that's a success at an unknown amount of risk. And I can't really say I endorse that, but I think some of the mechanics of that might work until the vehicle design changes in such a way where the fire service can get water into that battery pack or detach the battery pack or somehow move that car without going through all that insane amount of steps of trying to get that scene stabilized and then moving that car out. I mean, that guy's uh, that guy's father is the one that walked with the burning propane tank a number of years ago to take it out of the building. I don't recommend any of that. And I got to tell you, you talk about hair standing up. I'm not putting any burning anything in any kind of an elevator. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to take that kind of risk with our people. And uh, again, we don't have that. I don't have a, a car elevator, but New York city has elevators, yeah. Yeah. move cars up and down and stuff like that. So, yeah. so, so where we're at and, and Adam, I, I mean, Aaron, I'll turn it back over to you. It's your show, but I'm just, I'm, I'm into this. Um, so where we're at is based upon, I mean, what do I got? What do I want to do? What are my resources? What do I got? I got a burning car fire. I'm going to do two scenarios of this. That's a, a, a an electric vehicle. What I want to do, I want to contain it. What are my resources? What's my water supply availability? What's my runoff consideration? What's the air pollution consideration? What's the commerce consideration uh, as far as keeping the interstate closed, open or whatever it is? Uh, and, and that's kind of that, that, that's scenario one for the vehicle. Okay. And then I make that decision based upon my third question. What are my resources? I've got a hydrant here. I'm not worried about runoff. We're going to flood it and just keep flowing water till it stops burning. And we're going to, you know, we're going to be there a couple hours. Um, now, as far as a, a small portable, um, you know, like a power pack or for a scooter or a tool, uh, in case I'm going to get a bucket, I'm yep. going to fill it with water. I'm going to take that burning thing, put it in there and get it out of the building uh, into a courtyard, into the street and just keep it. Or I'm going to use the bathtub, I guess. Right. That's do I have that right? Is there anything else I should be doing here? No, no, I agree with you completely. I mean, where we're at with EVs is trying to identify all those different things running through your mind. What resources do you have? What's your location? And then we're trying to run the experiments so we provide you information to inform those decisions. So you can say, well, does a blanket work? How and when does a blanket work? It'll work under these situations. So you can go through your, you know, God forbid, even we get to the stage of pre-planning one day where you can say, if we have an EV fire on I-71 or if we have it in a parking garage, what's your plan? So you have some idea before you get there. That's, that's the ultimate goal. The smaller stuff, uh, I tend to agree with you, uh, but but I think 
it could be easy to gloss over with, uh, you know, with something smaller than an e-bike, it's a great ignition source. If you've got a power bank or, or, you know, some knockoff small product that starts a couch on fire, now you have a modern furnishing fire, which we've been, you know, sort of screaming from the rooftops. Your time has gone from half an hour to three minutes for years. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's only a fast fire. If it's an e-bike, that's where some of our videos are showing. Or I should say if the battery pack is the size of an e-bike and you have a thermal runaway event with that, um, that campaign we, we just started running this fall shows you may have a minute or less before flashover. But for the responding firefighter, that means the way it ignites may, may create a loss of containment. We showed blowing out a window. So now it's a self-ventilated fire that's on its way to flashover. It's much more developed before you get there. I think that's the the change in the landscape to start being ready for is this even faster going fire. Yeah. And, you know, and Chief, this is, as I'm glad you, you said, hey, turn it back to me. This isn't my program. This is our program. This is a, a fire service issue. And that's why you're here because you ask these great questions. And these are all things that I think every single person listening to this, whether you're an officer or a firefighter, needs to start thinking about, you know, uh, going back to that e-bike scenario, we have in our locations, um, you know, where I am in my territories, we have one of the largest uh, e-bike sales um, facilities. And in prep of this, I went in and started talking to them. I said, so what do you guys do? What are your, what's your training? What's your background? And this particular uh, store, they do educate all their employees. They have they have the blankets strategically placed around their uh, their showroom with the intention of wrapping that bike and throwing it outside or getting it away from all the other ones. Um, what are we missing there? I mean, is that kind of a great place to start even for somebody listening going, hey, go into these facilities and start having these conversations? You know, that, that one worries me a little bit, to be honest with you, for the same reason I worry about someone grabbing a portable fire extinguisher to put out something like the size of an e-bike battery. Now, <clears throat> e-bikes, you know, could be regulated or unregulated. We're worried about the unregulated ones. But if you're approaching one of those, if you've not done it before, and even if you have, um, they're, they're pretty exciting. I mean, I, I'd have a hard time, I feel like, in turnout gear, getting up the stones to go hug it with a blanket. Um, mm -hmm. It would not be an easy decision to do. So it'll it'll have to be uh their best trained guy that's that's all i can really say yeah yeah but right now there's just no other uh you know protocols that you're that you're aware of is that correct i mean in the case of e-bikes uh, yeah, sprinklered showroom would be my number one choice for some for some hope at controlling that fire the the experiments that we ran uh in spring of this year showed in residential scenarios um, that 13D and 13R sprinklers uh, were effective in controlling that transition from the e-bike fire to like a room and contents fire. So that's that's going to be huge. That's what's going to be the thing that saves the timeline for the responding firefighter. But otherwise, you know, I just hope they're not stacking those bikes on top of each other too close. Adam, let, let me so I'm, I'm again I'm trying to think about this as from a firefighter standpoint. Maybe somebody's got two or three years on. Um, we're not putting it out. It's gonna self. It's gonna self fuel itself until it's run out of its energy. So we're not putting it out. So it's yeah. it, really the decision, the size up for the IC or for the first two company. 
is do I leave it there and isolate it or do I take the risk in moving it, which may be a minimal risk. It may not be a big deal. Like I say, if I've got a, uh, uh, you know, a still uh, power tool battery burning, yeah. I'm going to go get a bucket, fill it with water. I'm going to take my gloved hand, wear an SCBA, all that shit in a hand line, and I'm going to push it into the bucket. And I'm going to then, uh, you know, walk down the stairs and leave it outside, that kind of thing, right? Is that well, almost all the time? This is this is where I feel like it starts getting a little bit harder, and we have to do a better job preparing the fire service because it's unfortunately not that simple. So right. if you look at, I, I think there's no better SOP for responding, especially like e-bike fires, than than FDNY has, and they're cautioning you right in the SOP to count on batteries having been ejected that haven't really gone through thermal runaway yet. They're heat impacted, but if you haven't found every cell during overhaul, you may have a rekindle later. And that that's, I mean, the batteries don't care if they're in an e-bike or an energy storage system or a car. So I'll tell you that we, in, in Northbrook, Illinois, when we were doing, when I was doing commercial testing of battery products, there was times when we would terminate a test. We would use portable monitors and pre-plumb everything and tell the customer that we're going to, you know, um, dump everything we have on this product if we start to get a test that would go beyond our lab's capacity for fire. And we're going to shut that test down. And we have stopped propagation. So we ended up with wet, heat-impacted batteries. So it's you, you may be able to, in some circumstances with larger batteries, stop that fire. But usually what that means is whatever that pack is that's on fire right now, it may burn out. That could be an EV pack, could be the a single shelf on an energy storage rack or a module. But uh, you need to be careful that you don't go with this assumption it's just going to burn all the way out because it may not. Which means then we got to obviously wherever we're disposing of that or now now we still have to you know at least keep eyes on it in some capacity yeah so i mean surprise arizona it's it's getting to be a quote-unquote older case i think i still think it's very relevant because in that case you had something on the order of 20 racks of, of batteries so they looks like a computer rack there's things on each shelf and one rack burned out that's that's what caused the explosion that threw uh, hunter claire uh into the desert and injured uh, three of the other guys on his shift. Um, that could have kept going under different circumstances. So that wasn't all the way done. And what they had to do, they had to erect like this special tent around it. And that scene continued with sort of second secondary responders for about three months, as I recall. And they were taking batteries out and electrically discharging them. And they were doing it very safely with emergency procedures. But it took a long time to fully, really fully defuse that situation. Yeah. So we, Chief, looking at and, and just listening to all this, I know you're you're writing vigorously with with notes. What's your thought um, about you know obviously going into your territory and looking at these potential uh, you know f facilities number one and and just starting to have conversations with tow truck companies and and is that kind of where your mind is on this too, Chief? Well, yeah. I mean, any t look, it, it's it's all about preparedness and front end loading, whatever it is. I mean, you don't want to arrive first uh, to your first uh, lithium ion related fire and not have any knowledge about it. But yet there are uh, tens of thousands of firefighters across our country 
that don't have any training in this. And, and if you listen to Adam, there's really little to learn other than, I mean, I don't mean to minimize it, but yeah. there's only a few basic things we can do. What I was doing was I was texting our friends at FDNY, asking them for their policy so we could post it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we could, that's what I was just doing. So I apologize if I. No, I, but I, I'm writing notes as we speak because, you know, I'm on the truck tomorrow and this stuff, I, I could be totally engulfed in, in a, no pun intended there, in, in this situation. And same with you, Chief, like we could, we could close down the, the podcast and the podcast and your one of your 11 pagers is going off with some type of incident where this knowledge can pay off. And, um, and that's why it's just so so imperative that we're having these this conversation with uh you know you two the, mm -hmm. obviously who can talk the science and then chief who could talk the the protocols procedures and what we need to know so uh we could go on for for five or six episodes on this um so let me let me try to to kind of take the reins a little bit pull back and go okay adam mm -hmm. knowing what you know what are the most important things for us in the fire service to really understand and kind of recapping what chief was just talking about. I'll, I'll buy myself a little bit of time. So Steve Kerber at FSRI challenged me to give a presentation at the FDNY symposium on batteries in, in September, 2022. Um, and so I spit out everything we know on the fundamentals of why batteries fail and the different hazards that are produced when they do that's all everything I know as of September 2022 is in a course on FSRI.org. So you can go through and see why it happens and how it happens, because I think we've been harping on in this call. Um, the batteries don't care what product they're in, but knowing what they do when they fail and how that can create fast growing fires or an, under some circumstances, explosion hazards, I think is, is paramount. Um, and, and so I, if I could relate it to something, I think what we're seeing is, is sort of similar to when plastics were introduced uh, into our lives. It's that much impact to me. It's, it's going to change fires in that way. Um, the one topic I'm particularly invested in um, is, is the explosion hazard. I mean, if so, I actually have this mug. Um, I don't know if you can see it says relax, it's burning. That's that that was our our mantra in in all the different control rooms that we've run these tests in is you see it's starting to have a failure and we just don't know if what we're testing is going to explode and so everyone's sitting on the edge of the seat and then a flame starts poking out and we go thank god it's burning relax um so it's it's those scenarios where you can have an explosion inside a garage from a battery pack that's failed um explosions of the product enclosures itself those are the ones I care the most about, but of course it's, it's changing fire dynamics as we know it. So Adam, it, I get to a house on fire, no lithium ion involved. I can look at the smoke and I can pretty much tell you whether I'm going to have a flashover or not. Okay. I can pretty much tell you if we've already had a smoke explosion. I'm not seeing that here. I'm not hearing from you that it will explode at point this or you can watch for it to explode at point that i'm hearing this is completely unpredictable mm -hmm. uh we don't know how long it's been smoldering in there misbehaving as opposed to the way it was supposed to behave uh so that even further 
reminds us that when you get to an incident, the homeowner tells you, yeah, it started on my workbench. Okay. Yeah. Um, it like any fire, but full SCBA, don't breathe this stuff. Uh, start flowing as much water as you can. Try and put out whatever the exposures are to that. And now let's focus on the battery and determine what we're going to do. And that is, do I continue flowing water? Do I move it into a bucket? <clears throat> and again, it's not a car, so it's not going to burn as long. Mm -hmm. uh, am I going down the right path here? Yeah. I mean, I, I like the line you're taking. Um, I do want to be cautious. Whenever we do come across a new hazard, we tend to, we tend to sensationalize it a little bit. I do think that this is all going to be within control of the fire service in a few years. We're going to refer back to the lithium ion years. I mean, it's kind of what we were talking before the call. Um, right now, though, I would say we do need to approach with that amount of caution. The, the report that we are uh, releasing sort of right now with IFF, Shonda Crane would know where that's at, but I think, I think it's going out um, today even. That was on our look at battery packs. I mean, we, we call it energy storage systems, but that was looking at battery packs the size of what you could stick on your wall um, and how that impacts fire dynamics. And you're right that if one of those is involved, you're not necessarily, and in our case, in our testing, we could not tell from outside the structure whether you're using a five gas or using a tick uh, if batteries were involved. And what we found was in some cases, if enough of the battery gets going without igniting, there can be an explosion hazard. In other cases, when the battery is burning inside the room, that fire may move faster. So we opened a door and we saw what looked like backdraft after about 30 seconds. Now those are the extremes because that's how we test. A portable battery, a tablet or a laptop, if they get involved in fire, you may not even notice. So it's gonna take a bit of batteries, maybe the size of an EV battery pack, the size of an energy storage system, or maybe e-bike or bigger. We're trying to find where that line is. But yeah, yeah, things are going to change. You need to be aware of getting the body of the fire out, finding those batteries. You know, we've talked a lot about the, all the unknowns for the first responders here, but there's really two things going on. There's the first responder side of the house, and then there's the public. And the new campaign FSRI's campaign, Take Charge of Battery Safety. This is trying to help us, you know, educate the public about this. And I, I just think it's really interesting because here we are having all these conversations about everything we don't even know yet, but we still, we've still got to get the message out yep. to the public about what they need to do. So Adam, can you, can you talk just a little bit about the origin of that program and Sure. You know, what what we can do, I'm looking at it right now and I'll, I'll start sharing it. There's a toggle. You can toggle between the public and first responders in terms of the audience, which is great. Well, yeah, I mean, that that toggle is, you know, simply that that we have a certain amount of messaging that goes to the public who's got kind of a limited appetite for fire safety, frankly. Uh, and then the first responder who we're going to be leaning on to provide some of this information to the public. It's, so it's sort of like a train the trainer thing. Um, what we wanted was a campaign that's kind of as catchy and as simple as the close before you doze campaign. Um, so that's why we ended up with this, with this take charge after some planning. Um, the, the bullet points that we have here are under each acronym. So we've got choose certified products. That's fairly self-explanatory. 
what we're trying to do is move the public away from unregulated battery products. It's admittedly a challenge that there's, because batteries just sort of showed up in everything, there's not a product safety standard for every single product. So when there is, choose the ones that have been evaluated by a nationally recognized testing lab. At least they've been evaluated for safety. Um, I think one of the most important things is people believe that if, if, it's, if someone can legally sell this to me, it's gotta be safe, right? Mm -hmm. However, major online retailers don't necessarily do that checking for you. Right now that's in the consumer's hand. The fire service is too late to the game. If they're going to the fire that it created. Um, handling with care is the next one. So that, that means following in, uh, manufacturer's instructions. Although I have to tell you that manufacturer's instructions are not always complete or great. So we also say only use the charger that comes with the product. Be careful of where you're storing your batteries. You know, you don't want to be using these in your bed and storing them under your pillow. That's about as bad as it gets. Um, but try to keep them away from combustibles. If you're in a, if you're in an apartment, especially with one way out, don't be charging this by your means of egress, by the front door. That's absolutely critical. Um, and then trying to be good with your hygiene with charging. So you're not leaving it um, unattended if you're charging it. I, I admit that that's a hard thing to do. That's an area of improvement, but leaving them unattended is how you get overcharge in lesser quality products. And that tends to lead to a fire. Um, always staying alert for warning signs. You know, I, I think we talked about the funky smell that the, the batteries sometimes have. It's a bit hard to relate how they smell, but it smells electrical and sort of like a solvent, like out of an aerosol can. Um, so training the public to be alert for popping sounds, hissing, overheating products, or any funny smells, those are signs that a product is failing. You may be able to get that out of your house, but if it's going into thermal runaway, it's time to just evacuate immediately and call 911. Um, we've got uh, R for recycled devices and batteries properly. I'm not sure if either of you guys have been to any um, waste transfer facility fires recently, but they are vastly on the rise because batteries that may not be separable from their product are getting thrown into electronics recycling um, or they're getting thrown into just mixed stream recycling and they get crushed uh, in the yard by equipment and that can start sort of the pile they're in on fire. Um, that's massively on the rise. So uh, your local waste management authority should have some guidance. I would give them a call on how you can appropriately get rid of batteries. And then G is get out quickly if there's a fire. I mean, we, we, we touched on that at length already. Um, E-bike batteries are larger, certainly can drive flash over within a minute. If not, you're very unlikely to be able to handle, um, you know, something of e-bike size relative capacity. Maybe you can get it with an ABC extinguisher, but better to just evacuate. Um, and then educate others on battery safety. That's kind of a, a, an easy one they give me at the end of the pitch just to say spread the word, you know. Can't remember five letters worth of stuff, so they give me a freebie. <laughs> well, and Adam, I just want to comment when we were discussing earlier the idea of submerging some of these smaller units. We're not talking about the public there. We're not saying, hey, this is starting to smolder. Go put this in your bathtub, right? We're leaving that to the first responders. Yeah. If that's the option, I just want to clarify that. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've known I've known a couple real fringe cases where. A single mother at 3 a.m. just after Christmas was able to chase down something like eight or nine batteries that shot out of the case. 
and put each of them out. But, wow. you know, she was risking her life doing that. Um, I think it would have been not that bad of a fire had it, had it caught her home, but uh, you, you won't know until you're in it. So the guidance that we like to give is, is uh, call 911, get out immediately. Cause you're just, you're not really going to be equipped to deal with that fire as a, as a member of the public. Yeah. Again, another opportunity as a reminder, you, you make sure your smoke alarms are working. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the, all the stuff that we tell people to do all the time, you know, what can I do about lithium ion battery fires in my house? Make sure your smoke alarms working. Make sure when you go to bed at night, you're not charging the kids scooters. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that that we're talking about here, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. When the U.S. Fire Administrator just, you know, she called on the fire service an event recently to be the ones who take the lead on this. There's a lot of different groups involved, you know, the products, you know, side of the house. But I'm just I'm curious why you think the fire service is the right group to really spread the word with the public. Um, I think that the public trusts the fire service on, on issues like this. It, it's. And on top of that, and we can have a web page, we can have a PSA video, but the fire service has even further contact with the public than than FSRI or a web page ever can. So they are the they are a trusted messenger of fire safety, and just as with close before you doze, the public will listen to the fire service on on these topics. But if I could divert for just a second, there is another thing that Lori Moore called attention to that I think is really one of the next major steps we need to start seeing, which is where that line is when the incident gets stabilized by the fire service and the incident gets handed to secondary responders. I think the fire service as it is right now is not equipped to deal with DC voltage systems of hundreds of volts and these ongoing battery hazards. There's a small but growing number of contractors who are starting to be able to respond to these incidents, what we need is to be able to have some kind of secondary responder who can come deal with that stabilized incident, release the fire service to go back to service, take this timeline from days or weeks down to just single hours. Um, I think that's the next major step and we really need to, it's kind of my plea for us to, to start finding the resources to get that together. Sort of like a hazmat incident, once it's stabilized, we call in companies such as Clean Harbors to yep. come down and deal with it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think that's exactly what we need. Yeah. And in order for us as, um, you know, fire service members, in order to educate, we got to educate ourselves first. We got to start there. So if we're talking about stuff that scares you a little bit, um, you know, there there is a lot of research that you have out there. There's a, a page that we have um, through Fire Rescue One um, where we, it's uh, firerescue1.com forward slash take charge. And Chief, I want to refer to this article because this is why I love you so much. Your your article on blind date dangers and lithium ion battery blazes kind of hits home. Like to me, that's uh, that's the essence of of why you're so valuable here. Uh, summarize that article for me a little bit, will you? So, and and I know I'm very valuable. It's just getting others to appreciate that. Well, I'm on your team. I'm on team chief Goldfeder. So you got one of us. Um, believe me, I'm very, very blessed. <laughs> so uh, look, it, it, it's the summary of the article is you have an opportunity to learn before you go out with somebody. You talk to your friends, you Google them, you 
uh, hey, did you ever go out with this person before? Yeah, she was my sixth ex-wife, you know, whatever, whatever you find out, right? And and as or or you just go on a blind date with no information and you learn as you go. I'd rather I have the opportunity to learn, you know, if you're going to go out with somebody, you, you call a friend, you Google them, hopefully that you're not getting a, uh, a fake report, you know, and, and, and uh, you, you, you just kind of learn as much as you can. Right. And, and then you go into it and maybe you got a better shot at a relationship lasting longer that way, or at least no surprises, you know, um, I didn't know your hair wasn't real, you know, things like that. <laughs> Um, remember the Seinfeld one? She's bald, and George Costanza was angry because this woman was bald, but yet he was too, right? So yeah, right, right, right. But so just like you know, if if if, uh, if uh, Toyota builds a factory in your fire district, you're not going to just wait till it catches fire to respond. Your planning people are going to work with them as far as making sure it's properly protected, sprinklers, standpipe systems, uh, e evacuations, all that, because we're trying to minimize the fire. But also then the companies are going to go visit Toyota and figure out during construction, what do we do? Once it's built, what do we do? Where's the first two companies going? Is there a staging area? What's our water supply? All that. Well, it's the same thing here. Uh, that, you know, we need to learn as much as we can from people like Adam at, at UL, who are at the forefront of learning what's going on. <clears throat> uh, we need to pay attention to what FDOI is doing uh, because they're going to more of these fires than anybody else. And I've been for, for decades, I've been kicking and screaming that while sure, FDOI has their days too, and it's not always perfect, but they do more of what we do more than anybody else more than anybody else and more diverse type of fires. Uh, so why wouldn't we pay attention to what they're doing there? Right. So that's the opportunity as well. I don't care if you're in cornfield, Iowa, if you've got a lithium by ion battery fire, you can learn from FDNY and they're very willing to share that. I've had such good luck over the years, uh, but you don't have to be me. You can be anybody to reach out and Hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to tag on to this. You should see some clip uh, uh, click on resources uh, from FDNY, what their policies are, what some other policies are, and 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 you can learn. So don't go in blind, right? Don't go in blind. Size it up. Do a full 360. And I I don't mean structurally. I mean size up where these fires could occur in your community. Take the UL online course. Take them all for God's sakes. They're free. Uh, why wouldn't you want to enhance your education? Pay attention to broadcasts such as this. Look at policies and procedures. And now you're better equipped uh, to go on that so-called date without getting burned. That's, that's kind of the way I see it. Well, perfect summary. I, I can't thank both you, uh, Chief, and Adam for, for being here. I think uh, this is going to spark, um, no pun intended, many more hopefully sessions and podcasts and conversations. Um, you know, Adam, uh, just in... in kind of conclusion here, you know, summarize a little bit about like, you know, obviously you kind of talked about what we need to do as far as education, where would you like to see this head and kind of what's your ideas for the future here uh, as far as response and research and, and um, you know, where we're headed as far as the fire service with this, this issue? Um, I guess the easiest way to put it, I mean, it's just my, my narrow perspective on the way fire safety happens. I'm just, I'm just one little slice out of the whole fire safety pie. Um, I mentioned that we've got that course. Uh, 
on, on battery science, you know, the hazards and why they develop and, and what they can turn into, that's all supposed to be very generic, but I'd like to take that and continue it um, through our other applications. So what, what I've been harping on is the batteries don't care what kind of product they're in, but what kind of product they're in can change how they burn. So if you've got, uh, for instance, a battery pack out in the open, it might just be a flaming hazard. If you put it inside a box, that box could be a broom closet. It can flame until it runs out of oxygen and turn into an explosion hazard potentially, right? So I'd like to start applying that type of fundamentals to electric vehicles. That's where we're heading right now. We've got a fairly good bite on uh, energy storage systems. The world is kind of caught onto those. Um, and then micromobility products. So what types of different scenarios can generate hazards we haven't covered yet? Um, that's, that's the scientist and engineer in me talking. What it, what it all boils down to at the end of the day is size up considerations so you recognize when there's a battery involved and then tactical considerations for what you do about it. Perfectly said. Thank you guys uh, both for being here. Another great resource is batteryfiresafety.org for, you know, you can learn individually about this. And I think the main point about being better every shift is about educating, asking questions, and then, you know, so eloquently put by chief is don't go into this blind, get out into your territory, do those surveys, uh, talk to those companies, those stores, those um, facilities that use these batteries and start to figure out how you're going to respond to them. Uh, be proactive in your education, be proactive in your response, and you will be uh, better. And that's really the essence of what we're about here. Uh, I know I've said it 14 times, but uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, because this is so pertinent to what we do. Uh, it's it's so pertinent to what we stand for here. Um, for those of you that are listening to us, you can watch this podcast on the Fire Rescue One YouTube page. Uh, you can also download uh, and watch and view other episodes um, at uh, the Better Every Shift. We actually have a page on firerescue1.com. If you want to email us, if you have questions for uh, our, our guests, if you have questions for me or Janelle, if you were on something or onto something, we'd love to know. You can email us at bettereveryshift at firerescue1.com. Please rate, review the show. Uh, but most importantly, everybody, as you have listened to and, and kind of the point has been reiterated, it's all about working proactively to make yourself better. Make sure you learn something, do something, and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening, everybody.